The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Today. Todd and I went skiing over the weekend, and if you haven't seen the yeah. photo already, we posted it on Instagram. <laughs> Patty Lloyd's question here about Todd's hair, he said, it must flap elegantly in the wind as he skis down the slopes. <laughs> when does hair ever flap elegantly? That's hilarious. And apparently, I don't know. I've got the superior aerodynamics, of course, you know, with the, my, you do, yes. my chrome dome drag reduction system up here, so uh, apparently yes. I'm fast, but... Uh, <laughs> Th- thankfully, we both wear helmets. You are fast, but we both wear helmets, so that problem gets gets dutifully solved. Actually, speaking of skiing, I'm glad you brought that up because I drove my FRS with skis in the back to the mountain to meet you in your Jeep, and I loved so being. Awesome. I mean, li- where I was parked, it was literally SUV, SUV, SUV. Oh, look, Subaru Outback, SUV, SUV, SUV. <laughs> me, you know. I mean, so so when they when I was getting dropped off by the shuttle back at my car, I told the woman driving. She said, "Where's your car?" And I, I mean, there was a bunch of people on the shuttle with me, and I said, "Oh, it's the little orange one on the left side." And she it comes into view, and she goes, "Oh my gosh, that really is little." And then another woman on the on the shuttle looked over and was like, "Yeah, that's tiny." I was like, "Yeah," and I'm having more fun than all of you. But I just I loved how they just kind of stopped them cold. Like, what is that car doing here? Blowing people's minds as you're going skiing too. That's hilarious. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, thanks guys for joining us. We're really really happy you're with us on the podcast. Because we've got some subjects to talk about here, I think is almost yeah. an endless rabbit trail, but we'd like to introduce it as we're doing this topic Tuesday. Mm-hmm. You're hearing this on Tuesday. And uh, we're, we're introducing these topics more as a discussion point, some of it we'd like to write about, but also we thought we'd talk about, and it actually, today's mm-hmm. podcast mm-hmm. ties in with some Facebook questions that we've got. So we'll just be doing this as a larger topic, and then we've got a single car debate with Miguel in Lawrence, yep. Kansas. As a matter of fact, my parents uh, met and dated in Lawrence, Kansas. My dad was KU and my mom was K-State. So they were a uh, house divided. Bitter as they rivals. Say. Yes, bitter rivals. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we've got uh, a great debate from Miguel. He has actually got his fun car, a BMW M2 that he loves, and now kind of looking for a commuter. He's sort of the opposite. Everybody mm-hmm. comes to us with commuter cars, wanting yeah. a fun car, and now he's sort of the opposite, which is kind of funny. So we're going to have fun with that. I have a car I love. It's amazing. It's a great car to drive. I don't want to drive it quite so much. Can you get me something that's actually <laughs> exactly a little more commuter? Right. I mean, it's exactly the reverse <laughs> scenario of most of these conversations, but that's what will make it fun. I, I actually like these Topic Tuesday things. Some of you guys are starting to write in with those. We welcome them. We also might be spurred off of uh, your questions. Many of the list we've got already is, is those questions. But what we're talking about right now is rideshare, both the rideshare that exists and the rideshare that is being either sold or rumored to exist. I mean, we're headed toward almost, I mean, if you look at Turo, for example, we're headed toward Airbnb for your car. Mm -hmm. You own a car and random people are renting it from you. And then the step beyond that, and you've actually looked up a good company about it, step beyond that is you don't even own a car. You have kind of, I'm sorry, I'm going to go weird for a second. You know there's such a thing as fractional jet ownership and fractional home ownership. Oh, yeah. Where I only have my uh, vacation home for these. This is very common in Park City, actually. There's a lot of houses where you only have your vacation home for four weeks a year, but you get to pick your weeks and here you come, and so do 10 other people. And that happens with big, expensive jets, too, like personal jets. There are people, there's a layer 
below the super rich that have their own jet, <laughs> there right. is the layer of people right. who own a fraction in a bunch of jets and just get, I need a jet right now, what's available? Again, these are not problems that Paul and I deal in, nor are they really everyday <laughs> driver problems, but this exists. But that idea in a, I own a tenth of a Corolla. Now, by the way, please don't do that. Don't buy a tenth of a Corolla. Don't buy all of a Corolla either. But, <laughs> right, but that's the say. concept <laughs> is you own a part of a car and you borrow one when you need it. You borrow one of the fleet when it's available. So, I mean, all of these things plus Lyft and Uber, I mean, car ownership and car usage is changing. Forget autonomy for a second. Just those realities. And that's kind of what we're going to rattle around for a bit. Well, yeah, and I'm, uh, I'm glad to be talking about this. It actually ties in with Bill Bay's question on Facebook this time around and asking us our take on Geely, the Chinese auto influence and their ownership of the mm, Volvo mm. brand. But this new brand that they've come up with called Lincoln Co., if you're looking for it, it's lynkco.com. Mm -hmm. And check out this website. I, I was a little bit appalled here, and I'm quoting directly from the website. I don't know anything about cars. I don't even want to. I've got better things to do. And I thought, oh, really? Is this where we're going? <laughs> you, you are not our audience. Yeah. I... <laughs> so I'm thinking about all this stuff. I'm thinking about both Todd and I's Uber and Lyft experiences, you know, sort of what's mm -hmm, the best mm -hmm. car for Uber and Lyft drivers. You might be listening to the, this podcast and you're driving for Uber or Lyft. Or what's the best car for Turo? As Todd is saying, you know, what's mm -hmm. the best car to Turo out? It's now an action verb, yeah. apparently. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? Who, first off, it's a made-up word, and now it's a made-up word we've made into an action verb. That's impressive. Look at us. The English language is changing. Yeah, keep going. So this Lincoln Co. site, this company, think of it as Volvo building the cars with their design and manufacturing expertise, Geely being the money. They own Volvo. Mm -hmm. They're the, mm -hmm. yeah. the backers and all the tech behind it. And what they're doing is coming up with a new brand here that was introduced in the last quarter of 2016 but really has matured into this website that is, uh, I think, targeted at the millennial generation. I want to know, mm -hmm. are, is the generation after millennials, are they going to be into cars or is it just going to continue this way? I'm I, just wondering, I, I ask, because I'm so curious here, and it's Airbnb for your car. But you don't just mm -hmm. buy any car. You buy their car that is connected yeah, to yeah. the internet 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if you park it, when you park it, you can then say on the app, well, my car's available. And anybody who sees your car on the app says, oh, I'd like to borrow that for a few hours, takes your mm -hmm. car, they're, they're let into the car by a code, and then they borrow it for a few hours, return it, ideally with the gas tank full, and ideally. or yeah, if we'll it's electric, see. plug it back in where it was, and then you come back out. So you, you say on your app, when your car is available, so therefore, mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. begets all these ideas. You and four friends could go in on a car together, share it, yep. especially for yep. cities where parking is a problem, when you just need a car occasionally. But isn't that what Uber and Lyft have now overcome? And now are Uber and Lyft drivers going to start doing this? Would they buy a Link & Co. car? Mm, interesting. And okay, then just you're going. do business with this and then, okay, so you want to do a, a, a Lyft too. You want to be a driver for Lyft as well. You can use the car now that I'm done with it. And so it's never your personal yeah. car, but maybe you don't need a personal car. And I'm, I'm well, appalled by some of these statements, but I see where it's going. <laughs> I mean, really? You're not into cars? I can't think of anything better to do than learn more about cars. That's probably why you're listening to this podcast. 
we have the disease in a terrible, terrible way. But you know, but here's the thing, though. I, I have this. This struck me just as we're talking, just as we're, you're talking about this. I w- remembered something that happened to me a couple of years ago in Europe. I think the thing that you and I don't re- connect with here is we don't live in a city like Manhattan or no, London, no, or a city where a city where in some ways a car is a hassle. Okay, there's a lot of places in the U.S. There's a lot of places elsewhere in the globe, but the U.S. has a lot of places where a car. Los Angeles may be a massive city, but it's the exact opposite of, of New York. If you try to, to live and work in Los Angeles with no car at all, good luck to you, because no it's kidding. just not set up for you to get around any other way. No kidding. But yet, you know, my my sister's lived in in England, uh, in London. She's lived in in New York. I've visited her both places. I've been there both places. Just in general, gone to Paris, other places, and. A lot of these major urban centers that have got good public transit, there is a question of, do I need a car? It becomes a genuine question. Now, you and I, of course, have the, enough of the disease to go, well, yeah, of course you do. Right, I mean, right. this city, this country has roads, right? But <laughs> there, if, if, you're, if you're just staying in the urban area, it's a worthwhile question. It reminds me, my wife and I, a couple of years ago, right before actually you and I did the pilgrimage trip, uh, since I was going to be in Europe anyway, I decided, all right, I'm going to take my wife to Europe. And we spent a couple of days. And we actually happened to be – this is a, one of the most ridiculous sentences on the planet. <laughs> we were able to go to Monaco during the off-season. Now, Monaco <laughs> is just expensive in general. But there is there are actually times of the year when it's not that bad. The hotels they're charging you know, thousands of dollars a night for are a couple hundred if you hit it at the right time. And we haven't hit it at the right times. So went to Monaco. Still expensive. But we were able to go. While we were there – we we bumped up against I forget what the company even was. We bumped up against a company that they had the little Renault Twizy. Okay, sure, it's the, it's sure. the, if, you, if you can't picture it, it's all electric. It, think of a fighter cockpit, a two person fighter cockpit. It's that kind of seating. Okay, it's all electric. It's like an enclosed four wheel scooter. Technically, it's a car, but it you know falls underneath the licensing of a scooter. But they're all electric, and they were plugged in all over the city, all from the same company. And this is the same model we're talking about. If you were a member of this group, if you paid your monthly fee, almost like a Netflix fee, for lack of a better way to put it, you could go over to one of these charge stations, and if there was a car parked there, one of these little twizzies, you could hop in it, and it's now charging to your account while you use it for an hour or two for whatever, and then you park it at another one of those locations. You don't even need to, be, need, need to be the same place. You just park it at another of their little plug-in locations and walk away. Mm. Now, as as weird as that is in some regards, I have to say, in Monaco, I was like, well, that's what you do. Because oh, Monaco yeah. is even – it's even tighter than you think. While we were there, a guy drove down the street in his McLaren P1. Oh. And I was struck by two things at the same time. Because everybody driving in Monaco is going 30 miles an hour or less. And most of them are going five. Because it's just tiny little European streets. You know, there's traffic. We were there in the off-season and it was traffic, traffic. So I remember seeing this P1 and thinking, okay, first off, sir, you're a baller because you own a P1 and you're willing to just drive it to the store. <laughs> right, but secondly, right. secondly, you're insane because the last place on the planet to drive a car like that is Monaco. The Twizy, as qu- crazy as it sounds, was the perfect size, and to rent one made all kinds of sense. So I see for dense urban areas, I kind of get the idea, but a whole other new brand making this car? I'm with you. I uh... – Noted also in Europe that, of course, the scooter is prevalent, and in Monaco, 
it's all scooters or super high-end exotic supercars. That's pretty much it. There's very yeah, little in between there. Yeah. It's you want to be seen or you just actually need to get around the city in a convenient way. So you drive a Twizy <laughs> yeah. or a scooter yeah. and that's it. And, you know, of course, the rest of Europe as well. I saw Car2Go in Berlin and that is a mm-hmm. subsidiary mm-hmm. of Daimler and they only provide, of course, smart vehicles and Mercedes-Benz vehicles. But now it looks like Car2Go is expanding into the U.S. as well, Denver, Austin, Seattle, even in Canada, Montreal and Calgary and Vancouver. And yeah. this is what you were talking about. If you're part of the club, you can just use the vehicle if it's sitting there. Now, that's what yep. Mercedes is doing. So they've kind of beat Lincoln Co. to the punch a little bit. But yeah. the way the website for Lincoln Co. is branded, it's it's definitely more about an app. It's more about, hey, I'm, I'm changing out my phone. Mm-hmm. I got a new phone here. It just happens to be a car. This is my transportation device. And so now mm, that makes mm, the car yeah. even more of an appliance, even more of a toaster because yeah, yeah. people disinterested in cars, which of which there are plenty, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. True. They true. just need to get around. That's great. Then this is their toaster. This is an appliance. It's mm-hmm. the method of transporting my body from over here to over there. And since yeah. we're all used to our phone, it really is a great idea. But I think what I'm asking is, do we all think this is going to catch on? Is it going to become a thing? Is it now just the cars look crazy and different and we're mm-hmm. borrowing them? Does it put Uber and Lyft out of business? Maybe not. But now, since I can just get access to the car right there, I don't even have to wait for the Uber driver to arrive. In some cases, I've been waiting 10, 20 minutes because of traffic. They can't actually get to where I am. So if I can just walk up to one of these cars sitting on the street, I know on the app, there it is. I can use it and boom, I'm off. Would I go back to doing my own driving? I'm so fascinated by everybody has a different take on this future of ride sharing. Mm -hmm. Uber Mm -hmm. and Lyft are straight out of the gate. Now Turo's the opposite. It's I've got a car. And now Lincoln Co. is the opposite of all of that. It's buy a car, but you're not really buying it. You're subscribing to it just like we now subscribe (laughs) to software. We subscribe to Adobe and you subscribe to Spotify or Pandora so now yeah, yeah. car sales are Oh look, there's an update. Yeah. They're based on subscription. Really? Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm, well, I'm but I mean, so f- financially, everybody that can go to a subscription model is. Now we aren't, by the way. I just thought to put that out there. But 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 <laughs> well, software especially. YouTube. Please subscribe on YouTube. No, but I'm saying that monthly <laughs> fee thing is what every single software maker on the planet is chasing. Because then you have a, this is how much money we have coming in every month, period. And we grow that number. And that is the software golden egg right there. That's what everybody's chasing. And so you have that, and that is now in the car world. I mean, what I see here, first off, this this Link & Co. car, whoever the designers are at Volvo that we are so impressed with right now, we're either asleep or blindfolded while doing this car. (laughs) Because it looks like they took... A Cayenne, which, look, as a Cayenne owner, I will say it, they're not the most attractive cars on the planet. They took a Cayenne and they made it worse. This is not good. It's just not attractive. (laughs) No wonder you don't want to own this. You want to turn it in in two years. You don't want to say it's your car. You know, I'm just borrowing this car. Why? (laughs) I'm not associating myself with this. We are not connected. This is not a reflection of me or my personality or my taste. I didn't buy this. (laughs) But anyway. But I think what you're speaking to here, when I think about the, the landscape of this, I think what you're speaking to here is, and I'm going to jump back between here and 20 years ago. 20 years ago, you just owned a car. 
Uh, right. And, and you right. probably knew, if you lived in anywhere other than some of these major tight metropolitan cities, you probably didn't know very many people that didn't own a car. What's happening now is a splintering. And so, I mean, I think about, honestly, this sounds weird. What's happened to the film industry and the music industry with the rise of digital, okay? You know, 20, 30 years ago, long before we could download any song we wanted at the, the blink of an eye, you had, you know, 10, 20, 30 mega music artists, and then nobody. There was the guy that played at your local coffee shop, but nobody else had heard of him. Now, music is so splintered. Yeah, you've got a few of those big bands, but fewer than ever. And everybody has their little niche brand, a band that they love, that half your friends have never even heard of but you just can't get enough of that's what's happened to music it's kind of happening with cars you'll have the people like us who are obsessed and own stuff because we love cars and we want a car we'll know somebody who can't fathom owning a car and when they need something they call an uber because they want to be driven because they don't even know how to drive and then there'll be the people in the middle who are like you know what i need a car this weekend because i'm going to costco so i'm going to go get a rideshare car and use it and then autonomous cars would change the oh, game yeah. once again. Fully autonomous cars that will take you from mm -hmm. one address exactly to another address without human intervention, that might change the landscape once again because Probably, yeah. now we don't even need to buy the car. Uber and Lyft mm -hmm. drivers are now kind of out of a job as well. Yeah. And yeah. it's just the bubble. So back to the crazy autonomous future that we're facing, this seems mm -hmm. to be another interim step. And I think, well, is our future all shareable? From the high end, the rich people, the shareable jets and mm, the shareable mm. yachts and the timeshare, everything, to the sure, you sure. know Airbnb and VRBO, we're all sharing our houses, and now we're all sharing our cars. <laughs> Are we going to share yeah. toothbrushes soon? Are we going to share knows clothes, anything. shoes, everything? When you move Airbnb house to house to house, you don't take anything with you. You just use the toothbrushes there, and you Brilliant. move it actually use the toothbrushes there. That's that's horrific. You mean we don't have to go. own stuff? We can just all share it. <laughs> We could all just pay monthly fee on top of monthly fee and have nothing to show for it but credit card receipts. By the way, those are electronic too. So we actually right. don't own anything substantial. We'd say our phone and our clothes, but those probably get traded in every six months anyway for new phones and new clothes. It's just, we're, we're essentially walking around as naked people once again. We're now adult babies. We own nothing. Oh we own nothing. We just – everything is somehow provided for us by the monthly fee. Exactly. I was going to say, I can think of a few wealthy people whose bank accounts I'd like to share. Maybe that's all open for yeah. sharing, too. There's even the rumors there, you know, well, not rumors. I mean, I know they're working on it. We just haven't seen execution of it yet, of GM partnering with Lyft and providing Lyft with Chevy Bolts and then discussion about some of those Bolts they're hoping to take autonomous. I mean, there in one story is kind of every scenario we're talking about because you can go out and buy a Bolt. As a person that wants to commute and have a car, buy a Bolt. Right, but then right. GM's going to sell them to Lyft for the guys that are doing rideshare, and then GM wants to take the ones for Lyft that are doing rideshare and also make those autonomous. So now there's no driver. I mean, it's here's every layer under one brand, one car. It's nuts. At first, I thought GM was using Lyft as a way to introduce product to the car buying public, but that quickly faded when I got picked up in an Acura TSX, or it was a TL, I think. And I thought, wow, this is a great car. And I'm thinking, all right, well, Todd and I have a mutual friend. He started driving for Lyft as well to make some extra money. 
And Todd, I think you mentioned in two to three hours, he makes about a hundred bucks, something like that. And he just turns it yeah. on when he wants yeah, yeah. to go and turns it off. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. obviously the, the car to use is the one you already own. But I've been picked course, up in, yeah. you know, ratty old Dodge caravans. And it's sort of like, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. obviously you just wanted to make some extra money, which is fine. But could you vacuum out your car and, you know, take some of your stuff out <laughs> so it's actually yeah, kind of seriously. a nice experience? And this if Acura, I have to dig to the seat, that's not good news. Yeah. Uh-huh. This this other guy, he had a sparkling clean Acura. It was really nice. It was not you know the higher end black car. It just happened to be black and really nice. And mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the trip. And so does that you know the car itself rate your perception of the driver positively or negative? If they pull up in a yeah. nasty kind of car, yeah, it's it like, does. All right, you're here. Just you've turned on the app and you just want to make some money. Could you like take mm-hmm. the dishes out of your car and like? Vacuum up the crumbs and yeah. make it at we, least livable. <laughs> like, we had a we had a shooter that worked for us for a while for Everyday Driver. Great friend of ours, genuinely. But he's just he moved elsewhere. John and uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. he so he doesn't work with us anymore. And one of the funniest things about John is John is one of those shooters, really talented guy, but always always moving. He's always headed to a shoot. He's always coming for right. a shoot. And so he's one of those guys that just steals a meal when he can. And what was hysterical is that he drove one of the most trashed out Nissan Altimas I've ever seen because it was just, it was his appliance to get him in gear places. And there, so the grand irony was him coming to shoot pristine cars with us. But what was hysterical about John, you talk about eating in your car. At any time, you could find <laughs> at least, at least two plates and silverware from some forgotten meal in his car randomly somewhere and buried in the piles. It's like, when was this meal? I don't know. I, I don't know. So it's amazing the range of the way people use their cars, and we're now seeing different ways people are going to monetize that and use that. I find it fascinating. And, yeah, I mean, the, the Uber the Uber Lyft thing, all, well, no, that's not right. All of these things, I feel like, speak to the same part of this. You and I love to drive. We love it. And yeah. if you're listening to this podcast, some part of you loves to drive. You love to have a good drive on a great road. That's why we don't shoot any of these cars commuting, because we get to do that. Let's drive, let's drive them and show them off somewhere really cool. That's why we always shoot somewhere cool. But all of us have driving we do that we don't like. Oh, I'm in stop and go. Oh, I'm waiting on this wreck to get cleared. Oh, i got to go to the grocery store. Whatever it is that isn't fun driving because it's just boredom. And now we have an industry that is splintering around trying to solve that problem. How can mm-hmm. we take the hassle of driving and give you a myriad of different ways to solve that? My only hope is that there maintains a, a lobby, for lack of a better way to put it. Who is the group that is lobbying for those of us that still want to drive to give us access and legality to be able to still do so? And I don't look, I don't think this is a problem from tomorrow. But obviously, if you kind of extrapolate out, we're headed there at some point. Those of us that want to drive will be the oddballs, but all these companies are taking away the hassle. And I've even done it. I mean, you brought it up earlier. I, uh, I was in L.A. doing the Disneyland thing because here's the thing. Oh, when you yeah. have a young child, you will wind up at one of the <clears throat> happiest places on earth. Yeah, that's, that's not that, – that's, by the way, no parent named Disneyland the happiest place on earth. The kids may have, but no parent has ever said, you know what that place is? That's the hat. No, oh that's never gosh. happened. That's but anyway, funny. but we needed, to, we needed to go from Anaheim, which is, which is kind of the southern end of L.A., to Burbank to fly out. Well, that's all the way across the city. We got an Uber in the rain. And this guy, for honestly, for me to not have to worry about it, 
my wife, my son, and I, we, we piled into his midsize, I think it was a Hyundai SUV, and he drove us across town. It took two and a half hours to get from Anaheim to Burbank in the rain. Honestly, I forget what the Uber was. I think it was like 40 or 50 bucks. Like, you didn't make nearly enough for that asshole. <laughs> right. But, but at the same right. time, I, as a guy that loves to drive, I love to drive, and I couldn't have been happier to have not done the driving. That kind of talks also about the type of car you are in. And so far, mm. I have not experienced or heard anybody riding in an electric Uber or Lyft simply because mm. it can't make sense. You're running, yeah. if you're a driver, you're running all over town, you're running from one fare to the next or one passenger to the next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you just stop for a quick splash of fuel, you can't do that with an electric car. Please write yeah. to us. I would love to be wrong here. I'm, I'm sort of hoping I'm wrong, but I kind of don't think so because the electric car doesn't make sense yet for mm -hmm. Uber and Lyft or maybe for Turo because it's up to the, the owner to – or the – person sure, renting it to sure. do whatever they want with it. But for the ride-sharing thing, you've just, you're constantly going. You just need fill it up with fuel and keep going kind of thing. You don't have really the time to pull over and charge. And if you're sitting in traffic like that, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's using up power and, you know, weather and all that stuff. So it's reducing your range right there. What you're speaking to is a lot of range is needed and a five-minute reset of range is needed. Right. Now, I can see if you were going to drive for an hour or two, I could see a Bolt or a Tesla working because they have enough range. If you didn't use a bunch during your day, you used 40 sure. miles during the day, sure. and now you're going to use 100, 150 driving people around. You're still going to make that work. But you can't do any kind of reset. You better have your charge all planned out in order to make that work because, like you're saying, you can't stop for five minutes, refuel, and be off again. It's not going to happen. And that makes those really tough. Something like a Volt could work because you're running on electric and now you're out of electric and okay. But yeah, I think we're yeah. just now reaching a place where we could have electric vehicles work for it. Uh, you know, electric buses and that kind of stuff. That stuff's coming. It's just a matter of range in order to be able to burn it because what you can't do is stop to reset the car. That takes an overnight. Or mm -hmm. in the case of a Tesla, at least 90 minutes. So therefore, big thirsty V12s for the win, everyone. That is the <laughs> best kind of Uber or Lyft car. Clearly. I love that somehow it sounds somehow, great. While talking about an Uber and a Lyft <laughs> perfect car, you wound up at a V12 is the answer here. I, <laughs> V12s, those are the answers, right? They sound so you're amazing, right. man. Because you're right. At least you could refill that car every half fare. <laughs> you're going to refill yeah. it halfway through every person. I'm sorry, man. I got I got to stop for gas. V12. But again, uh, yeah, again? but at least you could refill it quickly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, cars in the future are icky things to be repulsed by, apparently. So we'll, we'll just share it all. And uh, I'm really curious, is this Lincoln thing, Lincoln Co., not Lincoln, Lincoln, nothing to see I, here. Still nothing Link to see. Link and Co., yeah. Link well, and Co. I need a car, but I don't want to buy that thing. What if I just kind of borrowed it? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it takes off. I really do. Or if it's just going to be yeah. limited to this one brand. And this sort of behavior, ride sharing or car sharing, like you do your smartphone, is just associated with Link & Co. Will other companies catch on? Mercedes is already kind of doing that with Car2Go. I think the variations of this are going to be wider than we can even imagine right now. Mm -hmm. I think that's what I'm starting yeah. to see is the splintering is beginning. And the way people use cars is going to be completely revolutionized. And those of us that love them, again, I keep coming back to the joke. Those of us that love them, it's going to be like owning horses.
It really will be. It's like, you you have a car? Huh? <laughs> yeah. I wish I grew up with a car. You know, I mean, it's going to be that kind of thing, which is the conversations we have about horses now. It's going to be that world. And it'll be uh, the, the horse conversation as well. If you look at the stats and all, in fact, one of you actually sent the stats that broke down uh, horses in, the, in this country and how much they started to decline in the 20s because that was when cars really took over, though they were showing up as early as the early 1900s. But anyway, what happened is all of the urban centers shifted first. And the horses hung on in the rural areas. And here I am. I'm not that rural. But where I am in Park City has some legality for horse property. And I've never lived anywhere where anybody had a horse. And now I've got three or four neighbors around me who's just like, oh, so-and-so is riding down the street. Where do I live? You know? <laughs> right, right. But but that'll be the thing where we all, we're all out on our car ranches. I've got cars. You know? I mean, it's going to be weird. <laughs> well, so for those of us who still do want to own a car – We've got Miguel in Lawrence, Kansas. As I said, he is the opposite mm -hmm. of most people who write to us because he's yeah. got the M2. He waited for it. Uh, Miguel, I love that you told me about it here. He waited for seven months, looks like, from order to uh, – from deposit to finally taking delivery of it. And she's yep. a garage queen. I don't understand. I, I just I just don't. I'm sorry. I can't yeah, get there. I was, I, I was going to say, I, I, yeah. did you hear my mm -hmm. comment at the end of the Icon film where I – I pleaded and exhorted everybody watching to go drive their BMWs. Mm -hmm. If you haven't seen the film, Icon, everybody, it's on Vimeo, Download, <laughs> and Amazon on Blu-ray. So please order that yep. if you haven't seen it. It is our ode to all things owning BMWs and yep. uh, specifically yeah, yeah. M3s. So check that out if you have a chance. But uh, yeah, Miguel is a pulmonary critical care physician in Kansas he bought a new 2011 WRX sedan in June 2011, mm -hmm. ran it for four years in stock condition, and then went to stage two, as every owner of a WRX will do, right? He began his trip down the rabbit hole into, I'm going to spend money on this car. Oh, look, that <laughs> broke. Let's spend more money. I mean, he, he did that for a while. And just – there's a rebuilt engine in this story, folks. I oh, mean, man. It, it's just – yeah, the the wallet was opened, the car was tuned, and then he reached a place where he actually still has it. He reached a place where, okay, this car is just kind of insane and fun to drive, but, but totally hair on fire all the time. And so he buys this M2, loves everything about it, doesn't want to put commute miles on it, which means what's he going to do? Commute in the crazy, practically track-ready WRX? Doesn't want to do that either, which leads us to this dilemma of, okay, <laughs> what becomes the daily... Because I'm grinding my teeth, but I'm getting over it. The M2, he doesn't want to put daily miles on it. So <laughs> what are we going to daily in? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, when the, when it's springtime and summer, please start driving that. It's uh, I, I think you'll regret it if you don't. But I understand the clutch thing because he's got the clutch in the WRX, and he's talking about a knee replacement, tongue-in-cheek, jokingly, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's actually asking – get this. He's actually asking for an automatic transmission. Is that OK? Yes, that is perfectly fine. Oh, hey, yeah. I have an of automatic. Course. Absolutely. In, in the yeah. Porsche, it's an automatic, quote unquote. Yeah. You true, know what I mean. True, true. But yeah. I'm just saying he's asking for an automatic because this is going to be the commuter car and he is mm -hmm, stopping mm -hmm. us right at $15,000 even though he says he could do more and even the Paul limiter could be cranked up to twenty k. But sadly, he's preferring to keep it at $15,000. So, okay. Well, right. but the only place in this email that it's a bit confusing is I, I get the impression he also may sell the WRX on top of that. 
So this 15K quickly becomes 2025, but he hasn't been clear about that. It's clear that the amount of more money he wants to put into the equation is 15 <laughs> grand. But the cars he's talked about he likes are new current WRX with the uh, the CVT, a used Golf R, maybe a Ford Focus RS. These are none of these cars you can touch for fifteen grand. So clearly, there's a part of him that is thinking about spending more. It's a little, it's a little foggy, honestly, Miguel, on on how, how where that money would come from. I get the sense maybe ten grand out of selling that WRX, which you realize you're never going to get your money out of it. The money you spent in it is going to be gone. You might walk away with ten grand in in uh, trade-in quality. That would be over and above the 15. So maybe if I'm doing my math right and surmising right, we have 25 to, at the most to work with. But still, honestly, the stuff you like, with the exception of WRX, you can't get into any of it for 25. Mm. So I went totally other places. But uh, but what, what struck you here? That's an interesting point there. He is talking about Golf R's and Focus RS's and all that kind of stuff that do beget a higher price point. So that is a good point. I really tried hard to stick on the 15K. Because Todd and I have this friend, he works yeah. out at UMC, at the track outside of Salt mm-hmm. Lake, and he bought, mm-hmm. I think it's a 92 Cadillac DeVille, pearl white, it was an elderly couple's car, and he bought it for two grand, I think, with super <laughs> yeah. low yeah, miles, yeah. it's pristine yeah. condition, and that's just the floaty commuter, and it's so funny, because <laughs> we'll pull into the parking lot and see this thing, I'm like, oh yeah, that's your commuter car, that's yeah. not a bad idea, and for two grand, I mean... Why not? Yeah, you're right. It's you're just right. He's just got <laughs> plushly. Well, the funny <laughs> living room. Plush. The funny thing about it is that Dixon, who you're talking about, that boy drives. I mean, he's he does track time. He's got a he's got a performance package GTI. In fact, the one that we drove uh, last year, performance pack GTI, black one that we drove. That's his fun car. He pulls that out on the weekend. Drives it hard. Loves it. Does canyons. Does track time. Works at a racetrack for God's sakes. So <laughs> exactly. what's hysterical is. He's made the joke to us because part of his commute is just this lengthy freeway, nothing to see here, just rolling. We got a cruise. He's got that big North Star V8 in that in that Cadillac. <laughs> That's so funny. And he comments about the fact that there is no chance anyone's ever pulling him over in that car. It's just <laughs> That's true. It's, it's invisible. That's true. And he just settles in and puts the mileage on this car that cost him two grand. So I get it. There is definitely a category for this. I thought of three that I think uh, that I think Miguel should take a look at. I'm going to stick in roughly the 20 grand range oh, based on the way okay. I'm looking at this email, but I didn't go over 20. Oh, so I've good. got I've got 3 that are worth looking at. I've got a few. I mostly are wild card, but the one that I'll stick on here Miguel is a Chevy Volt. A 2014 mm. Chevy Volt mm-hmm. is $16,000 with about 30,000 yep. miles on it. it. Yep. I mean, there's your commuter. Todd and I love that car for being a real car with real range. Mm-hmm. And still feeling Mm -hmm. like a car. Now, of course, hybrid, so you can plug it in. You can get some electric range on it. But fine, you're not going to have the the range anxiety. You're not going to worry about it. And 16 grand, 15 grand for for the 2014 model years, they've plummeted. And they're great. They're exactly the car. They're they're really directed at your commute. They're kind of Mm -hmm. marketed and sold Mm -hmm. directly to people who have a commute like yours. And so I thought, yeah. well, just get a used one, be done with it. It's fine. It's got tech. It's a modern car. You're going to probably like it. We like how it drives. It's an early version yeah. of a hybrid. You know, there will be much better ones continuing to come out. But for the price, why not? I mean, 
uh, you know, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. I, I love that you brought it up because I actually have a, a, a riff off of that idea that was also related to the Volt. But I love that you brought up that first gen. I mean, here's the thing. Is it a fun car to drive by our normal standards? No, it's not. No, it's not. But it's a perfectly good commuter. It's all the commuter stuff better right, than you right. think. And and you and I, having driven multiple variations of the Prius, it's a it's a better car to be in than the Prius. So, I, you know, I, we're talking about that category of vehicles, which is obviously not a fun category of vehicles. But I even thought, possibly for Miguel, since we're talking about a commuter and just those kind of miles and a car he's not, he's not trying to buy a car to fall in love with, I wondered about, Miguel, what could you do on monthly payments? What about leasing a new Volt? Oh, okay. All right. So it's just get the new tech. I mean, it's probably going to be, I'm going to guess here. I haven't got the website up. It's probably going to be, I'm going to guess, 300 or so, $350 a month, which may be more than you want to spend, okay? But if you can do that, it, it's, it's the no commitment to the technology. It's just I got it. I've got it for a couple of years. I can drive it as much as I need to because I can put gas in it. But the new Volts also, you may be able to do almost your entire com- commute all electric. The first gens you won't. You'll do about half of it. But the new ones, you could do almost all of your commute all electric. And in two years, you just turn on the technology and walk away because the technology's mm-hmm. moved on and you can move on. So I wondered about that. I, I, that's my wild card is taking oh, is. your Volt idea and going, yeah, going, going new. Brand new. And huh. going lease and going lease and just get it, use it, give it back. So I'm glad you brought up the Volt because I wondered about the, the used ones. It's a great option. And then I wanted to talk about how to get the new. But keep going. Huh. I, I started there. I'm glad you brought up the leasing thing because that is interesting. But I wanted to focus on luxury because – you know, at mm, that pr- okay. at that price point, there's all kinds of new cars that you can get, but they're inexpensive, plasticky, cheap. Even mm-hmm. you know a twenty thousand dollar car that's used now ten or twelve or fifteen, still not a fun place to spend those kind of miles in. I mean, sixty miles a day. Sure. sure. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a bit of a commute there. And so I thought, all right, what if we went back? to some enthusiast cars that were expensive, luxurious cars that now you could get into without spending very much money. Now, I wanted to recommend to you. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I went Suddenly, back. <laughs> Volkswagen Phaeton. <laughs> Phaeton's for everyone. That's not a bad idea, actually. That's not bad. I mean, built on yeah. the same assembly line as the Bentleys, so... I know, you know. I know. Hey, if you if if anybody in the state of Kansas is a certified <laughs> tech to work on a Phaeton, that's the first thing to figure out. You could get one for ten or twelve. That would be an amazing car that you couldn't believe how awesome it is on your commute, except for when you have to pay for something that broke. And there are many things on there that can break, and they did require like special techs. I don't even know if Kansas has got one. Uh, that that talk about wild card that just struck me right now. Phaetons for everyone. Phaetons okay, keep going across the board. No, that's not a bad idea. I I kind of dig it actually. I I'd, I'd almost go back to the O three Audi S eight. I mean, ooh. I know you've ooh. got such a soft spot for that car, but keep going. Yeah. Well, so I wanted to recommend this this M five, the ninety eight to two thousand three E thirty nine BMW M five, but they were only ooh. offered with the six speed manual. So I went shopping for the next-gen M5. I'm not crying. Wow. Okay, keep going. The E60 M5 with the Formula One-derived V10 that redlines at almost 9,000 RPM. Guess what I found? I I don't think I'm – I'm not ready. (laughs) You're not ready. 06 M5 with 74,000 miles for 15.5 in Southern California, so mostly highway miles. 
hitting. The others that I found had much higher miles, 120, 140, 200,000 miles. So therefore, we know these cars are going to run a long time with proper maintenance. Maintenance won't be inexpensive, but you're already no, you're only paying be. 15. Pay 15 for an M5 with the inflatable seat bolsters that inflate How and deflate depending on the cheap? corner. I don't know, but an 06 M5 with a V10, that would look so lovely next to your M2 in the garage, don't you think, Miguel? I couldn't believe this. V10 M5. I kept going to a super ridiculous wild card that maybe <laughs> it may not be your flavor, oh. but same kind of thing. These older cars with low miles, an 0304 Mercedes-Benz SL500, found one with 40,000 miles. For 15K. I even found a 99 hmm. SL500 with 40,000 miles for $14,000. I mean, these things are built I like am... tanks, luxurious, and again, good maintenance. They're just going to run happy, convertible, Mercedes uh, V8. I'm, I'm simultaneously <laughs> amazed and horror, I mean, truly horrified because I, you're going to have to look up, look up all of the reliability stuff on those cars of because course. there is a reason they're that cheap. That M5, I think, I think. That V10 era was the one that had weird engine issues with the V10. I, I, please don't quote me. Please look it up. But it I might. just can't believe that they're that cheap. But I others were just super high miles. Floored. I mean, 160,000 miles. I don't want to yeah, buy yeah, an yeah. M5 with 200,000 yeah. miles for 12 grand. No. I really don't. But no, I, I really don't. Similar yeah. year V10 with only 74,000? Okay. Mm. Only highway miles? That means it hasn't been tracked or abused, probably maintained really well. I mean, where do these older, luxurious, high-end, super expensive cars go to die? They go to yeah, $15,000, yeah. and if you can <laughs> find $15, one with, <laughs> with not much miles, yeah. then they're here for the enthusiast taking, everyone. I, I'm actually tempted. A V10 and 5. Holy cow. Okay, I'm... Okay, I'm linking the concepts right now. You've got me. You've got me. Uh, <laughs> the internet is now not my friend. I'm down the dark hole of the internet right now, because you mentioned earlier. What about V12s for everyone for your Uber car? And I am currently looking at oh, no. a 04 Volkswagen Phaeton W12 Premier Edition, 13.5. Are you kidding me? It's got 120,000 miles, and I am horrified at the extra mortgage it would require to probably keep that car running. But 13.5 for that car, maybe. And there are there are many, many, many available for under 15. Those Phaetons, the V8s are cheap. Wait, wait, no, I'm sorry. You stop, found another stop one. Stop everything. Uh-oh. No, I I found the 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 topper. Uh oh. I, I honestly, <laughs> I want this car. I Uh-oh. I truly want this car. <laughs> 05 Volkswagen Phaeton V8. Okay. okay. It's in silver, which we know I hate, but I'm, I'm, you'll understand why that's okay in this scenario. The mileage is 130,000 miles, which is a little scary, I admit. You want to take a guess what this car is offered for, though? No. This is at a dealer, by the way. Oh, no. It's at a dealer. $3,900. For all of those of you that say, why don't you talk about cars under 5000 I submit to you the silver 05 Volkswagen Phaeton V8 for four grand. I mean, if the maintenance has been done, it's, still, it's probably going to run to 150 180 That's almost a throwaway money. If you think about how much a I new car would depreciate... In a year, you buy a brand new car, it depreciates mm-hmm. five, six, seven, nine thousand dollars in a year. Buy one of these and drive it until the engine explodes, or just change the oil and it won't. 
And you've got this I, luxurious, I'm, fast, amazing. I'm going car. to ask. I'm <laughs> going to ask the audience. I'm going to ask the audience a half serious question. And please understand, Paul and I have not discussed this. This has struck me as we're talking. I'm going to ask the audience a half serious question. How interested would you be in us buying a four thousand dollar Volkswagen Phaeton <laughs> and just seeing what it does for a year? Oh my God! Because you mean if the show I don't have bought four, this car to drive exactly, and test I don't have and... four grand lying around. But I'm sorry, a four thousand dollar Phaeton. I practically want to go search couch cushions right now. <laughs> oh my gosh! That'd be the commute, Yikes. the show car. The it'd be all kinds of uses. But but there are tons here. I mean, more more legitimately, there are tons less than ten grand, and that's just shocking that that car is that cheap. Uh, anyway, I, I, yeah. sorry, I am I am down such a rabbit trail. I apologize. <laughs> well, we've I have wrenched the, the podcast to a bad area. Of course, maintenance yeah, is always the issue. Course. But in general, mm-hmm. these cars that have just been driven and commuted in by the guy who bought it brand new just took it to the dealer, said maintain it at the normal BMW mm-hmm. intervals. Mm-hmm. It's probably sure. going to be great, actually. Just yeah. keep doing yeah, that, and you. with good maintenance, European cars will run for a long time. BMWs and Mercedes are known to run easy two hundred thousand, easy. Mm-hmm. You got to keep mm-hmm. on top of the maintenance, but okay for such an inexpensive price, I, maybe, and that would look pretty awesome in your garage. <laughs> I have a couple others to mention that are a little more into the realm of reality in cars that I okay, think will just fine. run for Miguel. But I, but, but there's a part of me that just wants to talk about cheap Volkswagen Phaetons for the next like four hours. <laughs> anyway, um, that was that was I, I'm practically getting in my car to go drive to that one. Moving on, um, that's funny. No, two two to consider here, Miguel. I, I think you have to go drive the Mazda three. I know we've brought it up many many times, but go drive the Mazda three for fifteen twenty grand. You could get a nice one. The interior in that is worthwhile. You're wanting refinement, you're wanting a decent automatic, you're wanting a car that just feels nice to be in for your commute. But since you are a guy that's coming with an enthusiast bent, the Mazda 3 isn't disappointing dynamically. That's what's great about it. So good gas mileage, runs well, nice interior, 15 to 20 grand, Mazda 3 all day long. That's maybe my favorite choice for you. But I thought of one alt, and that is take a serious look at the Honda Accord. Go coupe or sedan. The thing about those is, it's it's all of the above. Coupe. Great features in I like it. The coupe. There, uh, I agree with you. The coupe is more interesting, but even the sedans are good cars. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. the the interior design is a bit bulbous and button heavy, but but you know the seats are decent, the the dynamics are decent, and and we know a guy here locally that has essentially turned his unassuming maroon. Uh, a cord sedan into oh, uh, a track Sasha, weapon. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, with not a lot of work. At first thing he did was like better tires and sway bars and already had a serious canyon carver. So I think you have to take a serious look at the Accord because it is a, it's, it's like a, a quick step away from an enthusiast car in a normal Accord body. So those are my the Volt the, for a lease, the Mazda 3 and the, uh, the Accord in either variant. Those are my three for you to really consider while I go look at Phaetons. <laughs> yeah, that's what's happening. Honda Accord or V10 M5. So clearly you should get the Accord you. because, you know, V10 M5. <laughs> Exactly. That was superb (laughs) consumer advice right there, by the way. That was really good. Next on the financial rundown, we're going to help you uh, figure out your car portfolio. Just kidding. Uh, Anyway, what we will do is jump right into Facebook questions that we've got a ton of. Thank you all again for posting up such great ones. 
Ian Hart mm-hmm. is asking, will you remember us mere podcast listeners when you're big time TV <laughs> gods and get all the money and women and drugs? <laughs> Not so much into the drugs, yeah. but have you noticed the Dodge Viper is going out of production because there's no good flat surface to, to snort coke? So That I, was a massive design flaw. Yeah, I, I agree. You. I mean, I don't know what those interior designers were thinking, but of course, no, it's uh, – <laughs> And it's, uh, it's you guys that have helped us, and uh, we've got, uh, yeah, lots of stuff planned for 2017. As you've all heard, Velocity Channel in the U.S. for second mm-hmm. quarter of the, uh, of the year. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, quite nuts, quite nuts. So we're focused on that, heads down. It's funny. Yeah, definitely we are. In fact, I locked one of the TV episodes today, picture-wise. You and oh, I nice. to watch it through, but I, nice. I locked one of the episodes today. I'm working on another one. So, I mean, that's it's happening. Everything is moving forward. If you know somebody that wants to advertise on television, we've mentioned this before. We have a couple of spots left that we could actually get your spot on married with our show, which would be really cool. We'd love to do that with sponsors that are connected to the brand. So, uh, But no, it's happening, which we're excited about. And uh, yeah, Phaetons are cheap. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I don't know where that came from. But uh, but you noted Ian's, uh, Ian's <laughs> thing here, and so did I, actually. I noted it because I wanted to say a couple things to this. Look, we want this to be more successful than we even dreamed. Obviously, we do. That's yeah, one of the yeah. things for th- the reason we're moving to TV is because we've always designed the show for and felt like the show was better fit for television. Obviously, we aren't going away on YouTube or this podcast or anywhere. I, I know what I'm about to say is going to sound staggeringly cheesy, but please believe me and follow me. We like helping people find cars they love. Yeah. yeah. When we get into those conversations, and you guys are writing us now, not even writing car debates, just going, hey, I was looking for a car. I was listening to the podcast. You helped me find this. Even that's exciting where we're just all kind of sharing in this disease that we have, if we can be helpful to you finding a car, that is awesome. Look, I'll take the money, the drugs, and the women. My wife won't (laughs) like any of that. But having said that, it it is really cool to get into real car conversations with other car people and to know that the show has made an impact. That is, besides the fact that Paul and I wanted to drive all these cars and experience them, that was the hand-in-hand scenario of we also want it to be helpful to people. So we don't want that to ever go away. The only downside I can see to the show blowing up, I know this sounds weird, the only down- downside I can see is this. When I go to car events, I was actually at one today. When I go to car events, I'm realizing that, look, we are not celebrities by any means. Please don't get me wrong. But we have reached a place where in certain circles, more people know who I am than I know who the people are around me. Right, right. And that has the potential to get even bigger. And the problem with that is I'm not great with names. There are certainly names with once it sticks, I have it forever. But you have to use it in a but, sentence three times and you have to, you know, see them around and all that stuff. And not even that works. But, but that's the thing. I've, I've got guys now that I, – I talked to a guy. I talked to a guy named Doug today, okay, at this car show. Doug's a really nice guy. He's a golfer. I've talked to him two or three times. I, this is how my brain works. This is why I'm bad with names. I remembered Doug's current car and his car history and could not remember his name. <laughs> had inter- had, I had to just apologize. Like, I'm really sorry, man. Give me your name again. So, but I mean, and he joked with me. He's like, you're, you're, you're Todd, right? It's like, yes, I am. But, um, you know, that's the thing about this. If this really gets as big as we'd like it to get, tons of people are going to know us, and I'm not going to feel like I know any of you because <laughs> I don't remember names well. Yeah, if that's I'm... the biggest downside, though, I will certainly take that because you guys are vital to what we do. Agreed, agreed, and I'm kind of the same way. I'll I'll nod and smile and repeat your name and then forget promptly. I'm like, wait, sorry, what was your name again? But if you ever if everybody wore the hello, my name is badge, but it was just a picture of the car you own, 
I'd be like, hey, Golf Our Guy. It's Golf Our Guy. Hey, Todd. Remember Golf Our Guy? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's amazing. It, it's weird that my brain works that way and yours does too. It's like, I, I, let me, oh, I remember your third car back. Why do I remember that? I don't know. I have no idea why I remember that. As Todd said, we couldn't do it, couldn't do it without you all. And uh, it's your rating and reviewing that has, have pushed us, pushed the podcast. And it's made it a lot of fun on our side too to read the comments and laugh out loud and – you know, yeah, we're yeah, sitting yeah. on the chairlift going skiing. We're just we're talking all this stuff over. We're just going, hey, did you see the of email from so and so? Hey, did you see the question over here? Yeah. And just yeah, marveling yeah. at the creativity and the fact that you are all so engaged. So thank you, huge thanks. Yeah, and as Paul's saying, I mean, Everyday Driver TV at Gmail. That is the email address that reaches both of us. We both read that uh, Gmail address, and also where we get car debates. If you want to send stuff in there, or you can just do the the contact form on our website. As we're talking about the current state of the show and the history and all that, there were a couple of questions. I don't want to go too far into this, but there were a couple of questions that related to variations of how did the show start, how did Paul and I meet, what's the backstory. If you would like that, we've covered that at length on the podcast episode uh, from July twenty first. 2015 was called the One Year Anniversary Podcast. As the name suggests, we were a year in, and we covered the history of the show, something in, in detail we'd never covered before. If you're curious to have those questions answered, that podcast is there and covers all of it in detail. Yes, and to answer Damien Caplet's question, will our show be airing in Canada as well? Unfortunately, no, Damien, because the deal is only with Velocity Channel that airs in the U.S. Mm -hmm. We would yeah, love it yeah. to be bigger. Maybe this will be a launching pad for it to be bigger, but we've got to start here. We've got to start somewhere. We've already started, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean. But as far as TV yeah, is concerned, we've, yeah. uh, we've got to start there. So no, unfortunately, but I will not rule that out. We will not, uh, not in any way rule that out for the future. Yeah, definitely. And we're working toward having the television velocity content won't be four-walled and only on velocity. There will be ways down the line for you to see that content as well. So we're working on that. So don't feel like uh, we're forgetting the rest of you in that regard. Marcus on Facebook wrote a good question, and I just thought we should speak to it for a brief second. He said, what are the best automatic transmissions we've driven in cars under 50K? Mm. thought this was a great question. Mm. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat for a second. Because there is one cheater answer, and that's this, Marcus. Anything with a ZF. The ZF eight-speeds are awesome. Yeah. You can find them in BMWs. You can find them in FCA products. They're elsewhere as well. Audi's used them. That ZF eight-speed is a brilliant transmission. It's a fantastic automatic, anything you find it in. And then there is another one that when I was thinking about this question, it didn't come to me right away, which may seem weird. And then I was suddenly like, you know what? That's a great one. The automatic in the FRS BRZ is surprisingly good. It's no dual clutch. It's not some wonder automatic. But here's the thing. I was actually discussing this with a, with a listener of the show recently. You've got the WRX, okay, with, let's be honest, the engine the FRS BRZ should have. It's the same engine with a turbocharger screwed to it and the power we're all looking for, okay? But yet the transmissions offered in the WRX, both the 6-speed and the CVT, aren't as good as the 6-speed and the automatic in the FRS BRZ. So can we just, folks, it's the same brand. Can we have it just take the best <laughs> of here and work both directions? Let's give the good transmissions to the WRX, and let's take the FRS BRZ and add that good WRX engine. This isn't rocket science. I would add to your conversation the DSG that is in the Volkswagens that we like, the Golf R, the GTI. Mm -hmm. I believe that's mm -hmm. built by Borg Warner. So, of course, the ZF transmissions are good. But this one we really like and have noted. Yeah. 
wow, this is this is pretty good. Of course, manuals are something yeah. we we gravitate towards there, but but that is good. The BMW DSG is excellent. I'm really really happy with that too. The DCT, yeah, or DCT. Sorry, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the BMW is great too. Yeah, I hear you, but uh, it's it the ZF is the is the magic. That's it's amazing how many cars you can find that in and be like, oh, it really is a good transmission. So yeah. Greg Scannelbury is asking if we will start seeing more integrated dash cameras as an option. No, Greg, I think they'll be not options. They'll be integrated into the car, and I don't think they'll just be dash cameras. I think they're going to be all mm. over the car because sure. the cameras tell the story. And I think mm-hmm. having a camera at all four corners or you know, all four sides of the car, that's going to tell the story about, all right, well, this guy sideswiped me or this guy you know, T-boned me or pulled into me or something like that. Well – you know, you 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 were at fault instead of this guy or whatever. Yeah. So, cameras are cheap, plentiful, and I think we're going to start mm-hmm. seeing them just integrated into the vehicle more, which is kind of scary, but also could be kind of a good thing. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Interesting. But I yeah. think that's definitely coming. Well, and I wonder as as things head more and more toward autonomy, what what's bound to happen is some blurring of technology, where some of the stuff that could make your car autonomous is now in your non-autonomous car. Some of the radars and the extra cameras and that kind of stuff is probably just going to wind up kind of across the board in everything, whether you're using it autonomously or not. So I think we're only headed toward more of those things. I agree with you there than less. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paulius wrote to us on Facebook and asked an, uh, an interesting question. I thought you might like as well, and that is, if we could choose any car in the world to be a static art piece in our personal living room. We can't drive it. It doesn't drive. It is an art piece only. What would we choose? So pristine condition, but it's sculpture. (laughs) I love this question, Paulius. This is... Yeah, it's cool. I I have to go way back, of course. I mean, you could think uh, art deco area or (laughs) arena. Era, yeah. Era. The, uh, the, The art deco cars from the 20s, the French coachwork cars... The uh, Sauchiks and the Taubo Lagos, uh, anything with giant cycle fenders, the Alfa Romeos with mm-hmm. the cycle fenders. I even love the early 50s Ferraris and some of the 60s Ferraris. I mean, sure, sure. interestingly, Porsche isn't going to compete in this category for this question. They're no, it's beautiful not. and You're I right. love That's them. That's a good point, yeah. But Porsche is nowhere in this conversation. It's all – Duesenbergs and Alphas and yeah, all the French coach work probably for me. They just uh, the Delahays. Yeah. I think Delahay, maybe. Those are pretty. Those oh. are really pretty. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. stare at the like surface the... for hours. Yeah, I hear you. I you know that actually made me think of one. I hadn't I hadn't gone back because I had thought of something kind of recent, but I hadn't gone back. But you know, it reminds me the Type Fifty Seven Bugattis. Oh, those right. are awesome. <laughs> right. Those are awesome. And they, they are sculpture. And then the other thing I thought of is cars that I think I would rather look at than drive. That's the other thing I thought of oh, in this yeah, question. Yeah. And I thought of two. Lamborghinis, the Mura <laughs> and the Countach. <laughs> totally. the Kunt- I mean, th- those are spectacular cars to look at. Anytime I see one, I just want to walk around it. And I don't get me wrong. I would rather drive stuff than look at it. But those are both cars. And, of course, we've driven the Countach. Those are both cars where I'm like, you know what? I'm okay. I'm all right. I just, I, you know, That's if this is sculpture, then that means you actually could get in it and interact with it. And I think, I, I feel like the, the older cars, those would be beautiful to look at. But I feel like those Lamborghinis, they'd be both beautiful and sexy to look at. I'm waffling. The 1959 Ferrari Testarossa. Oh. Sure, but see, I want to drive that. That's my problem. Yeah, I, I do want to drive, drive it, that one. But, 
here. <laughs> I I could yeah. just only look at that thing. I mean, okay. yeah. As I yeah. said, you can ask Italian wait staff for design help. Just knock a little bit off the marble here and make it look like what what it should be, right? I mean, they just I guess the Italians just know what it should look like. I think that's awesome. Oh man, what else? So many good questions on here. Have we regretted selling a car? Have we ever regretted selling a car? I think the biggest thing to that question is Todd's advice, which he has said, you don't have to dislike a car to get rid of it. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. maybe, I, I guess uh, I've missed cars, but I can't say I've regretted selling them, at least not yeah. yet. Not yet. Sure, sure. But I've always well, liked I mean, your, I, your advice there. Well, I think that's that's the hard thing because we all run into the same exact problems. I mean, at least most of us do. And that is we have a limit in our budget and our space. If we had unlimited budgets and unlimited space to store cars, we wouldn't get rid of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, but but this car has to go to make way for whatever it is that's next. You don't hate the thing. Get, I would love to have kept my 300ZX and just had money to spend on it. I would have made it a, a manual. I would have turned it into turbos. I would have just played with it. I loved that car. There was no point in keeping it at the time of my life when I got rid of it. It absolutely made sense to get rid of it. So while I'd love to have it, it's all nostalgia at that point. You know? Yeah, true. So, yeah, that's, that's the thing. I, I don't feel like I've regretted getting rid of anything, but there's certainly been things that if, if I could have kept it, I would have, definitely. Holy moly. What else before we start wrapping things up here? We're almost in an hour. We are in an hour. Holy well, there's, there's a million questions I, I would love to cover, but I think for, for the moment I'm good. We have a really cool podcast coming up later in the week. We have a guest that we should share who the guest is. Yes, we should. You You're all listening know him. to this on Tuesday. Yeah, keep going. Keep going. You know him. You love him. It's uh, a guy who's, whose podcast we've been on multiple times and thought, you know what? we got to get him on our podcast to debate a car for some listeners, and it's Matt. Matt Farah is going to join us. So look for questions early Tuesday, and you can post up for questions from Matt, mm-hmm. and uh, he can answer your questions, and he's also going to help debate a car for us. So we're yeah. really, really looking forward to having him on, and uh, he's always so gracious, such a gracious host and good friend of the show as well. And, uh, yeah, well, that'll be fun. It's based on schedule. I mean, that, that podcast is recording on Tuesday for Friday release just based on when all of us were able to merge our schedules. So we'll keep you informed on that. Obviously, you're listening to this podcast on that same Tuesday. So uh, just keep that in mind. We're excited about that. We have other guests coming up as well. Of course, I'm going to go back into the editorial hole and cut more episodes for Velocity. <laughs> so that's happening. And, uh, yeah, we also are, are lining up cars to shoot this year. We've got some really cool stuff we're setting up. Uh, so we're not stopping. And I promise you, I promise you, I'm not kidding, actual details about an American adventure and the specific dates of this year's pilgrimage Germany-Belgium adventure are coming soon. So uh, please don't for- think we've forgotten about it. We're planning on both. The American Adventure will be probably sometime midsummer-ish. We're not sure. That's as much as I can say. And then the uh, it'll be September for Europe, but we got to lock in the exact date. So those are coming soon. Yeah, that kind of relates to Oscar's question on Facebook about when are we going to do a pilgrimage trip to the Alps? Because he's local and he wants to be part of it. So we have bandied that conversation about and have talked yes, about we it. Have. But uh, yes, TBD. As Todd said, forthcoming. And we're lining up more guests, more guests for the podcast for this year. You're listening to this podcast in the future, and so you've already heard the podcast with Matt. But uh, we will be having more guests. So keep submitting your ideas for that and keep submitting your own ideas for the car debate. As Todd said, Everyday Driver TV at Gmail or our website, everydaydriver.com. 
And a lot of people are reaching out to us directly via the website, and you can get a lot more information on trips and mm -hmm. adventures and the writings by all the guys. And, uh, yeah, you can even buy the films. Icon, Pilgrimage, Mid-Engines and Mountains, 50 Years on 9-11. We've got four films. That's amazing. It's nuts. We, <laughs> we have four. I do remember editing all of them. They did all exist. <laughs> yeah, a lot of work there. But but you guys are responding on those, and we thank you for your reviews on those. We, that's really helpful. On Vimeo or on Amazon, we welcome your reviews of the films. That's helping other people find them as well. So thanks a lot for that. Yes. Finally wrapping things up. Thank you, everyone. Really appreciate your loyalty and your support. And until next time, cheers. <laughs>